you. Bethel Church, I was remindful during mother sickness and death of how the people at Bethel Church take such pleasure in doing special things to make others feel good. Thank you for every act of kindness and prayer in Christ's love, Jackie Mansell. Uh, as of course, was for Miss Beulah Cockrell, and I thank you as your pastor for being so kind, so loving, so joyful, and so compassionate. Uh, if, as you've noticed in the past couple of weeks, we've had some rather strong messages coming from the pulpit, amen? I'm sorry, it wasn't me, amen? It was the Word, it was the Lord, and, uh, but today's going to be a little bit more of the same but in a much better way because we are preparing ourselves for revival and we're excited that there is great reason for revival to fall here at Bethel Baptist Church and among its members. Let me begin by telling you about General Dwight David Eisenhower who made quite a name for himself while he was leading courageously during World War II. Uh, his battle-tested skills equipped the Allied forces to reclaim Europe in the midst when Nazi Germany was trying to take hold of that nation and continent. After he received the surrender of Germany, he came back home as a hero. And in 1953, he was elected as the 34th president of these United States. Now, while he was commanding the troops in Europe, Ike, as he was known, experienced a lot of danger and difficulty navigating the twisting roads in southern France. So, for the sake of national security, Ike came and commissioned a network of roads that became our nation's interstate highway system. You see, back in ancient times, conquering kings gained access to newly acquired territories through highways that their troops built. And so in similar fashion, Isaiah had this in his mind when he declared in Isaiah chapter 40, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make His path straight. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and hill be brought low. Crooked places will be made straight. And the rough ways will be made smooth. In today's scripture passage, John the Baptist also had this in, the mind, in his mind as he called people to repentance, asking people to repent, to prepare the way into their own hearts for the arrival of King Jesus. Let's read in Luke chapter 3, beginning at the, in verse 1. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, his brother tetrarch of Iteria in the region of Tacronitus, and Lysanias tetrarch of Abilene. While Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough ways smooth. And all flesh 
shall see the salvation of God. Then he said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Let us pray. Father in heaven, it is our desire that we bear fruits worthy of repentance. We desire revival, and we know that repentance is the key element to preparing the way for you. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Did you notice there in verse 1 and 2, all those various rulers... Those various rulers show how complex the situation was in Jesus' day. An Israelite had to deal with the demands of a Roman emperor. He had to deal with the, the strange quirks and personal regulations of the local governor. And he also needed to deal with the interpretation of God's law by these so-called religious leaders. But you know... John the Baptist didn't seem to be too concerned with all of them. In fact, Brother J.D., to avoid all the squabbling, he went out and began to preach at the First Baptist Church of the Jordan Desert. Amen. And there he baptized many as an outward sign of inward repentance, thereby preparing the way for the Lord and helping them to begin bearing fruits worthy of repentance. What preparation do you need to make? What preparation does your heart need in order to permit unhindered access by Jesus? Does the path that you walk sometimes seem a little bit twisted? Do you have valleys of complaining that need to be filled with contentment? Are there crooked places that need to be straightened out? Are there mountains of sin that need to be bulldozed? Are there rough places of bitterness that need to be smoothed over with forgiveness. As you know, we've been learning that we cannot afford to neglect an ongoing cleansing process if we desire a mighty move of God in revival. We cannot neglect it. We must bear fruits worthy of repentance. You see, repentance is not simply something we do. Repentance is more a reflection of who we are. It's ongoing. And if we hope to be effective in curbing the flood of sin outside the camp, then we better be thorough in dealing with the sins inside the camp. And so we've been diligent. We've been diligent, working hard to repent of sins of thoughts, literally casting down anything that tries to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. Truly taking captive every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. 
We persist in repenting of sins of our speech, knowing that one day, one day in the judgment hall, we will hear again every idle and destructive word we've ever spoken. We've been repenting of those sins that lurk in our attitudes, knowing full well that half-hearted, complacent attitudes literally nauseates God. And last week we found that there were many walls. Many walls that need to be torn down as we repent of the sins in our relationships and the sins of commissions that we do that transgress the laws of God. We've been asking God, Lord, convict us. Lord, give us the discernment we need to break down these walls. And so we've been exposed to, and I pray that you've been responding to what God's been telling you about these specific sins. Today, we're going to continue to prepare the way for the Lord. To prepare the way for mighty revival. To prepare the way for a mighty move of God. A mighty uh, demonstration of God's power. The thing that we need to do is repent of the sins of omission. Now, the sins of omission are not what you do that transgress the laws of God. Rather, sins of omission are the things that you don't do that transgress the laws of God. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 4 and get a pencil ready because I want you to circle this verse or put a little check mark by it or a little asterisk because you need to hold on to this verse. In James chapter 4. I said Matthew, but I meant James. Y'all got to read my mind now. Come on. Thank you. James chapter 4. Y'all going to have to get better now. James chapter 4. And look up at me when you get there. Alright. Take a look at verse 17, y'all. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. To him, it is something that needs to be confessed to God and repented of. It needs to be turned away from. Now, let me go through and help you understand sins of omission. You see, the average Christian's life is a series of ups and downs. Amen? Amen. But it shouldn't be that way. Instead of ups and downs, it should be a series of ins and outs. As God works it in... We ought to be working it out. In fact, Paul taught the Philippians to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now, we don't work for our salvation. Jesus purchased that on the cross. However, after we receive the gift of eternal life, we are commanded to work out our salvation. We are commanded to work out out what God has commanded us to do. Now this work that Paul was talking about in Philippians speaks of a constant energy. It speaks of a constant effort to continue doing something until the task is finished. Constantly. 
For instance, in the 1800s, people would rise at the crack of dawn and they would pan for gold until it got dark at night. Each day in the scorching heat, they continually dipped their pans in the water and they swirled it around and around and around. They were trying to get out that which was in gold. And so the idea is pretty simple for us. As believers, we need to make a continuous effort to get out that which God has put in. To get out what He has put in. And what happens then is your life becomes an example for others. Your life becomes an example on the outside because of what the power of God has done for you on the inside. Therefore, Perhaps one of the most crucial ways that we commit sins of omission is by failing to abide in Christ. In John chapter 15, the Lord said, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. But without me, how much can you do? How much can you do? Nothing. Never forget this, friends. Never forget this. It is absolutely impossible. Say impossible. impossible. Say it louder. Impossible. It's impossible. To live in the fullness and power of God apart from daily prayer and daily time in God's Word. It's impossible. You said it. To live apart, to have a full life apart from prayer and apart from a connection with God's Word. God's Word is what teaches you what's right. God's Word is what teaches you what's not right. God's Word is what teaches you how to get right. And God's Word teaches you how to stay right. Therefore, when you neglect your daily time with God's Word, then you stunt your own growth. It's an absolute must. It's impossible to grow apart from prayer and God's Word. So, let me ask you this question. Have you been too busy to spend significant time with God. Remember, you'll never be spiritually stronger than the strength and quality of your time alone with your Maker. Another sin of omission is the sin of silence. Without a doubt, God has called all, say all, God has called all believers to be a verbal witness. In our lives. All of us. If we don't tell people the good news that might just keep them out of hell, can I tell you that we are at least partially responsible? If they go, we are at least partially responsible. God told His prophet Ezekiel this. He said, when I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked of his wicked way, to save his life, 
that wicked man will die in his iniquity. But, but his blood I will require at your hand. I believe I put that on the, there it is. Straight from the word of God. His blood I will require at your hand because you didn't warn him. You didn't tell him. You didn't tell him that if he died in his iniquity, he'd be forever separated from God. can't just say, well, you know what? You know, I'm not gifted to witness. You can't say, well, I witness by the way I live. Because God calls us to be a verbal witness. And the Bible teaches that we are always to be prepared to share the hope that we have. So do you have the desire do you have the desire to learn how to share Jesus with others? If you desire to be more effective in sharing Jesus with others, would you stand up right now? Okay. I needed to get a count of how many are going to be in our witnessing classes. Amen? You may sit down. Hey, it's your desire, not mine. I'm just here to please. My job is just to teach. Teach you to be more effective in learning how to be a faithful witness. Forsake the sin of silence, my brothers and sisters. Because God's going to hold you partially responsible. Did you know also that God gives every single believer their own gifts and abilities which they're supposed to use for the family of God? You're gifted. You have many abilities. And God calls you to use them for the family of God. In fact, did you know that it is a sin of omission if you don't use that which God gave you? So I'll ask you, are you continually looking for ways to serve God? Or are you satisfied to sit and be served? Everybody's different, I guess, right? But a sin is a sin is a sin. Did you know that it's sad but true? That 20% on average, that 20% of the church members do 80% of the work? Did you know that 20% on average of the church members provide 80% of the resources? So I'll ask you, what percentage are you in? Here's another sin of omission, and that is not seeking God. If you know that God absolutely desires to bless you, raise your hand. That He absolutely desires to bless you. He wants you to have His best. But you know what? He ain't going to chase you around to give it to you. 
He's not going to chase you down and then force you to take His blessings. If you want to hear from God, you need to know that He speaks to those who continually seek Him in prayer, those who continually seek Him in Bible study, those continually seeking Him, looking where they might serve, where they might use what, what God has taught them. He's not going to force you. But He passionately wants to give you His best. So are you passionately seeking God for more? Are you seeking God for more of His daily presence? More of His daily power? He won't force you, but He wants you to seek Him for it. He told Jeremiah, When you call upon Me and go and pray to Me, I will listen to you and you will seek Me and find Me. He said, when you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you. I believe that's on there too. Bottom line is this. If you'll seek Him, you'll find Him in ways you could never imagine. If you'll seek Him. Let us just pray right now. Heavenly Father, Your Word is crystal clear about what You expect from Your children and what You expect from Your church. Lord, we ask Your forgiveness and we repent of not doing what You've clearly commanded us to do. Lord Jesus, we desire to deepen our fellowship with You, to abide in You, for without You we are nothing, we can't do nothing, and we can't bring You nothing. Lord, we repent of so-called busyness. I mean, please. Nothing's more important than you, Lord. Lord, we know that if we are to experience revival, that it will be as a result of how much time we spend at your feet. Jesus, forgive us for the sin of silence. Help us to turn away from the pride and fear that inhibit us from telling others what you've done for us on the cross. God in heaven, forgive us of our laziness. Help us to change the way we view serving in your church. Help us to see it as a divine privilege, Lord. Lord, forgive us for the times we ask, where are you, Lord? But don't even bother to seek you in our daily lives. Help us, Lord, to passionately seek after you, to fellowship with you, to honor you, to be used by you, for you are worthy, Lord. You are worthy of every ounce of effort we can muster. Help us, Lord, to repent of these sins of omission. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Friend, to prepare the way for God's mighty presence and power in revival. The Bible also teaches us that we must repent of sins of self-rule. See, we've been saying all along, if we'll just repent, if we'll be exposed to and respond to God's Word, we'll have revival. But the sin of self-rule can be often overlooked. 
You see, many believers have a few areas in their lives that they haven't yet surrendered to God. That they haven't surrendered to God yet. Say yet. Yet. But it is precisely those unyielded areas that can hinder the power of God from working in our lives and even prevent revival in our church. In Luke chapter 9, the Lord Jesus was clear in what He expects from us. He said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. What in the world does that mean, Brother Bill? Well, it means that if you belong to Jesus Christ, there are going to be many times in your life where you're going to have to choose His will over your own. And it's only as you choose. Say choose. It's only as you choose. Choose to deny self. Choose to by faith obey God. And choose to experience His glorious power that you're going to experience personal revival. That's the only way that we are going to experience revival. Now, how are we supposed to do that? How are we supposed to deny self? How are we supposed to deny self? Well, Greg Frizzell puts it in a way that even my hard head can understand. Here's what he says. He says, just say no. He says, just say no to those thoughts, those attitudes, those actions that you know are of the flesh. Just say no. He said, but other times you'll have to just say yes. Say yes to those actions or spiritual service that your flesh rejects. So I wonder, do you think this will be easy? <laughs> I can tell you, it ain't going to be easy. But dying to self can be awfully painful sometimes, can't it? It can be awfully Painful, because you see, when you put self on the cross, self is still going to cry out for attention. It's still, even though it's on the cross, it's still going to want to do what it wants to do, even if it's after it's on the cross. But i got to tell you this, anything you put on the cross must die. Deny self. So let me ask you, have you been unwilling to surrender all. What areas are you coveting that you don't want to turn over to God? Has God asked you to let go of something and uh, told you that you know this is a hindrance to our fellowship, but yet you don't want to let go of it? He says, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Now, the sin of self-rule also shows itself this way. By relying on our own strength to do God's work. Now, this one was getting a little bit in my own business, amen? Uh, yeah, this one kind of took over. But one vital principle into experiencing God's mighty power, experiencing God's presence in revival, is that we got to rely on Christ's strength and not human ability. Christ's strength 
and not human ability. When, when Paul was struggling with his thorn in the flesh, the Lord Jesus told him, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And then Paul got excited and he exclaimed and said, Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast in my weaknesses that the power of Christ might dwell in me. He said, I take pleasure in weakness. I take pleasure in insults, in needs, in distress, in persecution for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong in Christ. Did you know that God cannot receive that that we try to do for Him? He cannot receive that which we try to do for Him. He can only receive that which we allow Him to do through us. Did that make sense? He's got to do it. We've got to trust in His ability, not our own ability. So let us pray. Father, please forgive us for clinging to those uncrucified areas of our lives. Help us, Lord, to repent of anything we place before you. Lord, we know your word says that when the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts and return to you, you will have mercy on us and abundantly pardon. Oh, Lord, we do that right now. Lord, we abandon our way of doing things. We abandon our way of thinking. And we surrender to you. Father, help us to live lives that are producing fruits worthy of repentance. Lord, teach us that in our weakness, we must surrender to your strength. Father, we know that revival won't come unless you bring it. We trust that we have been obedient in preparing the way. We trust that we have been obedient in doing what you ask, that we might experience a revival flood of your presence and power like never before. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Friend, I think we've prepared the way. I believe we've prepared the way. We've done what God's asked us to do. We've humbled ourselves before Him. We've gathered together and prayed to Him. We've sought His face together. But I wonder, have we turned from our wicked ways? Have we turned from those sins that so easily beset us? This morning is your last opportunity before revival begins to get rid of any junk in your trunk. Amen? I pray that you won't let your lack of repentance, I pray you won't let your lack of spiritual cleansing deprive you 
deprived this body of believers and deprived this community of a mighty fall of God's power and presence. Are you ready for a new beginning? Are you ready for a fresh start? Are you ready for a clean slate? If you are, today's your day. Today's your day. If you're already a believer, I invite you to come and pray to God and ask Him, just father to child. Father, forgive me. Cleanse me. Help me turn away so that I might experience your mighty power and presence in my life, in the life of my church, and in the life of our community. If you're not yet a believer, I invite you to allow me to show you what God's Word says about how you can steer clear of eternal suffering in hell. Today's your day. Are you ready for revival, church? Yes. Say amen. amen. I believe we're ready. Let us pray. Lord, it's been kind of a long three weeks. And Lord, your word has been very penetrating. Lord, your word has brought up stuff in my life that I didn't even know was there. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful that when we're exposed to and respond to your word, that you promise a revival. Lord, I for one am choosing to respond to the word of God. And Lord, I feel it in my heart and in my spirit that my brothers and sisters feel the same way. Father, if there's a believer here that needs to get rid of some of the junk, I pray they'd have the courage to just come before the altar and just ask you, child to daddy, to help them repent of that sin. Father, if there's an unbeliever here, that is one that has never placed his or her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as their only way to go to heaven, Lord, I pray that they would just step up, step out, step forward. Lord, allow me to show them what the Word of God says about eternal salvation with you. As always, Lord, this decision time is yours, and we pray that you would speak to your people in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Thank you.
sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I found was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. My chains are Savior has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace.
never met her. And Mariah, for three or four months now, has been coming up to Brother Bill and saying, Brother Bill, I want to be baptized. Well, you know how I always like to get things in order, right? I, and I always ask her, why do you want to be baptized? Well, I think the, the pat answer was, uh, so I have Jesus in my heart. So we let her chew on that, and we prayed, and we talked, and, but now she knows who died for her. Who did? Jesus did. And what happened three days after they buried him? He rose. And Mariah comes now believing that, placing her faith in Jesus alone. And she does, does desire to be baptized, does desire to be a, a part of the body of Christ here at Bethel. And if you rejoice with me in that, would you let it be known by saying amen? Amen. 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 How old are you? Well, Mariah's been a part of our water program for some time. Been very active in Sunday school, especially lately. She's been one of Miss Brenda's students. And uh, who teaches you in Awana? Miss Stacy. Okay, Miss Stacy's in the back. But um, she's been a great student, always been real fervent, and uh, studies your Bible and, and loves to pray, right? Amen. So uh, you be praying for Mariah as she follows through and believe her baptism. You sit right there, okay? I know you're waiting to get back to your grandma. Amen. Friends, don't forget about dinner after our service. And don't forget about the Rachel Sims meeting. If you're planning to go, uh, immediately following that dinner will be just about a 10-minute 10, 10 meeting or so. And I know I'm forgetting something. I know what I'm forgetting. 